The Brazilian Congress is back from its mid-year vacation and the country's lawmakers have a lot on their plates. After being approved by the House, the pension reform is still to be analyzed by senators. Plus, congressional leaders want to use the momentum to push forward more economic reforms, such as an overhaul of the tax system, changes to civil service careers, infrastructure regulations, and of course, there's also the 2020 budget, the first budget to be planned under Jair Bolsonaro. After six months of constant power struggles with the government, what can we expect from Congress in the second half of 2019? My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. Ewan Marshall, welcome back to the show. Hi, Gustavo. In 2019, we saw a brand new legislature taking office in the Brazilian Congress, and it showed the highest renewal rate in the country's democratic history. So I ask you, how did this legislature kick off its work? Well, during last year's election campaign, the President Bachara Bolsonaro, he said he wasn't going to engage in what he calls, quote, old politics which for him was a reference to the the intense kind of horse trading which often takes place you know behind the scenes in congress and in fairness he he fulfilled his promise but often it was to the detriment of his own administration what do you mean well by making this sort of disparaging comments about congress basically likening a lot of representatives to basically being corrupt Bolsonaro drew the ire of many of these lawmakers and they boycotted a lot of his proposals, the most notable of which being the president's decree for looser gun control regulations. So on that case, congressmen threatened to repeal the president's bill and he eventually had to back down. And under Speaker Rodrigo Maia, the lower house of Brazil's Congress has decided to take a more active role in politics instead of simply rubber stamping anything that is proposed by the executive branch. Yeah, but at the same time that Congress tries to become more independent, the House did move along with the core point of the agenda of Economy Minister Paulo Guedes, which is the pension reform. And as we've written on the Brazilian report, it happened, well, despite President Bolsonaro, not thanks to him. Yeah, that's true. And Jair Bolsonaro not only showed an absolute bare minimum of support for the bill, but he actually also pushed for some corporativist measures such as you know getting better retirement conditions for law enforcement agents, a move which actually ended up watering down the the government's reform. But still, you know, it was a win, the pension reform being passed, that could benefit the government providing investments pick up in the coming months. For the remainder of the year, it seems that Congress has its plate full. So what should we expect to see between now and December? So it's likely that we will see the continuation of a trend that we witnessed in the first half of 2019, and that is the prevalence of a liberal economic agenda over any bills which are linked to the president's more conservative social agenda. And one investment bank held a survey among analysts, and the overwhelming majority believed that the second half of the year is going to be all about the economy. Well, analysts also predicted that the pension reform would be done by the end of the first semester. 
Yeah, that's right. And there is definitely a liberal dose of wishful thinking in this idea that Congress will be able to just continue this momentum. But that's also the wish of the House Speaker, Rodrigo Maia, who he's the main man responsible for really making this whole legislature work. During Congress recess, uh, Jair Bolsonaro got involved in a lot of controversy. He he fired uh, the head of the agency, which oversees uh, deforestation monitoring in the Amazon. He mocked uh, people who disappeared during the dictatorship, political prisoners who died or disappeared during that period. Will those controversies affect the relationship between the legislative and the executive branches of government? Well, I think that really Jair Bolsonaro lost a big opportunity during the Congress's holiday where he could have just used that time to, number one, maybe stay off social media, but also try to improve his relationships with Congress. And instead, he's only left them a lot of little bombs to defuse before they come back. And yeah, the thing is with Jair Bolsonaro, what we've seen in these first seven months is that he's very liable to come out with these ridiculous statements to make these bold choices that the Congress is not expecting. And, you know, there's no sign that that's going to change. And if it does, the relationship is going to worsen. So what's ahead of us? Well, yeah, there's a lot of things between now and the end of 2019. One in particular is a bill that would break the monopoly state-owned companies have over public sanitation services. Yeah, and that's a major issue in Brazil. It is worth mentioning that only 55% of Brazilians have access to a system of treated sewage and that the country wastes almost 40% of the water that is distributed. Yeah, it's been a recurring problem for Brazilian administrations at all levels because for sanitation services to become fully universal around Brazil, it would take yearly investments of approximately 22 billion reais until around 2033. And how much are we spending on that now? At just 13 billion. That's just over half of what we should be spending. So... Is it a no-brainer to let private entities come into the market? Well, not really, because the thing is, there's a lot of people worrying that if the private sector was to be more involved in sanitation, that their tariffs would go way up. And there's also a fear that less profitable areas will simply be ignored. Like, if companies can't make money off of these cities, then why should they come in and promote sanitation services? Yeah, that's a classic fear with privatizations in Brazil. We talked about that and about how to avoid having peripheral areas left without basic services in episode 60 of this podcast. Yeah, and there is also the worry that state-owned companies, which are, you know, they're less competitive, there's a worry that they would quickly crumble if they were to fight on equal terms with private companies. So in many states, what they're asking is that they finish their current contracts with public administrations and then have the right to one automatic renewal. And that would mean that the market would stay closed for about, in some areas, it could reach up to 100 years. Jesus. Yeah, so it's not going to be easy to pass because there's a lot of resistance from state governments. And what else do we have on the docket? Well, we have the federal budget, which will be the very first one to be proposed by Jair Bolsonaro. And the one he's currently being held to was actually proposed during the previous administration. What are the highlights we can anticipate? 
Well, we've got a lot of changes from previous years. Uh, there's a plan to cut federal subsidies for a variety of industries. But the main point of contention is going to be the minimum wage because over the past decade, the minimum wage has risen to match inflation with the added GDP growth, giving real gains to workers. But the government has suffered to make ends meet, and now they have proposed that wages should only match inflation over the next three years, so that would mean that there would be no real increase to wages. And why will lawmakers resist that? Well, we have to remember that 2020 is going to be a municipal election year, so who wants to fight for votes after agreeing not to raise the wages of their public? <laughs> Fair point. But there's going to be another big project for Congress in the second half of 2019. Which is? Well, so after reforming the country's pension system, Congress also wants to overhaul the Brazilian tax system. That's next. We'll be right back. In 2018, money raised from taxes broke records, reaching 35% of the country's GDP. And that despite the country's sluggish economy. So, how is that possible? We are really uh, good in charging taxes. We don't have in Brazil a huge problem of compliance. This is Vanessa Howe, a tax expert and member of Think Tank Center for Fiscal Citizenship. Here in Brazil, we, don't, we really don't have problems in collecting taxes. We have many distortions because the way we collect is very bad, but we don't have a problem of effectiveness. Uh, in all developing countries, it's common to charge more taxes and consumption than income. That's because developing countries are uh, poor than uh, developed countries. So we here in Brazil, we have more poor people than rich people. So it's, uh, it's common that you to collect so many money we need to, to, uh, to have our costs paid, we have uh, to tax consumption. Of course, we have problems in, in the income tax in Brazil. We have rich people that pay less taxes than they should pay. Of course, we have this problem. But the, the tax burden on consumption is a characteristic of uh, de develop, uh, developing countries because usually poor people are uh, more than rich people in these countries. You have helped draft a tax reform proposal that is being analyzed by Congress right now. And what does it bring to the table? The CIF tax proposal is focused on consumption taxes, because here in Brazil we have five kinds of consumption taxes, and they are charged by the federal, the state, and the municipal government. So it causes complexity and unfairness and uncertainty. So uh, our proposal is focused on simplifying and unifying all these five taxes. Of course, simplifying is not, it is not uh, only a simplification that we reduce compliance costs. No, it is important to, uh, to remove uh, many uh, uh, uncertainty in the economic uh, environment. So it is for simplifying the consumption taxes, but if the effects 
they're really relevant, you know, because nowadays the five consumption taxes in Brazil uh, are the main co cause of uncertainty and complexity. And, and it's very bad for the uh, economic environment. When you say uncertainty, uh, what exactly do you mean? Legal uncertainty. So you don't, you, you never know if you are paying correctly or not. Once you pay, you can be uh, contested by the, the uh, tax authorities because there are so many rules changing uh, every day. So it's, uh, you have so many litigation and possible different interpretations by uh, taxpayers and, and tax authorities. So you, you, you never know if you are paying taxes correctly. This is legal uncertainty. God knows Brazilian companies spend a lot of time calculating their taxes, almost 2,000 hours per year, which is more than any other country in the world. So you're saying your proposal would simplify that. Yet many business owners have called your proposal out, saying that it will push small firms to informality, and they defend a form of tax on all banking operations. How would you respond to that? Uh, really, uh, in fact, it's the opposite because value-added taxes are charged on consumption. Who borns these taxes are not the companies, but the consumers. So the companies only collect the taxes, but they put it in the invoices for the consumers pay when buying uh, goods and services. Here in Brazil, it's difficult to to understand that because we uh, charge taxes on uh, manufacturing and uh, uh, we think that these kind of taxes are borne by the companies, but they are not. These taxes are collected by companies, so the company don't uh, uh, don't pay effectively this tax. Uh, they, they only collect that, and then uh, these uh, consumption taxes will be effectively paid by the consumers. So the companies, uh, and this is the the, the best uh, characteristic of the VAT. It's not paid by companies. It is paid uh, by the consumers. So companies uh, are not interested in uh, not collecting this tax. So you, you will have an increase of uh, formalization instead of decreasing it. The, the possibility of uh, uh, the increasing of the, form, the, the, the informalization is more related to uh, the, the tax he mentioned, is a tax on financial transactions, than uh, related to VAT. And, but the second thing is that there are many companies that uh, nowadays have many tax benefits, tax incentives, so they will lose that in 10 years. And, of course, this is a specific uh, reason for some companies are not um, supporting our proposal. So you have some specific interests and you have uh, uh, an afraid of changing all the tax system, uh, especially because it's a, it's a, it's a very huge change. Economy Minister Paulo Guedes also seems to be another skeptic. Uh, he said your proposal could spark several legal challenges due to the fact that it unifies taxes on the federal, state and municipal levels of government. The Minister Paulo Guedes is, is, is right. 
uh, when he says that the major problem uh, of all the tax reforms we, we've tried to do in Brazil, uh, the first problem was always how to maintain the sustainability of cities and states when implementing uh, a VAT. Because usually VAT is a federal tax. And if we create a federal tax in Brazil, Paulo Guedes is right. So you will uh, uh, become states and cities unsustainable because they won't have VAT taxes as they have nowadays. But uh, in our proposal made by CECIFI, uh, which is the proposal uh, that is in the, in the Congress, uh, we allow cities and states uh, to fix their own rates. So the, all the, the regulation is national, all the rules are the same, except the rate. So uh, Sao Paulo can uh, charge a higher rate than Campinas, then can rate a higher uh, uh, rate than Osasco and so on. By allowing uh, these changes on tax rates by the cities and, and states, you can maintain the sustainability and the revenues of states and cities and not become them depending on uh, uh, the federal government as it is nowadays. Which obstacles do you foresee in Congress? Because, let's be honest, most of the lawmakers who will vote on the matter have little to no expertise on tax issues. We are making a task force for explaining the, the tax reform for different groups. And we are in four directors and we are, uh, we are spreading these ideas all over the country. But uh, Bernard Api, which is our uh, most famous director because of the newspapers, he is in the Congress. So he will be in, in Brasilia uh, during all the, the, the period uh, the proposal is is being implemented. The issues and the questions will appear during the, the process, or the process of the, the 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 constitution amendment. So, we are trying to be in all relevant places for um, clearing all the questions, and we are uh, talking to the newspapers, we are uh, uh, giving speeches, we are doing everything we can, including. Uh, being in the Congress to answer all these questions, uh, uh, considering that it is clear in our in our uh, proposal. But the reform being proposed is about simplification of the tax system. Is there room for reducing the burden on taxpayers? Uh, no, and that's because when you talk about tax reform, you are focused on how to charge taxes in a more efficient and simple way. When you talk about reducing tax burden, you are really talking about uh, the government expenses. So to reduce the tax burden, you have to reveal all the costs and expenses of the federal uh, government, states and cities. So tax burden is not a, uh, a tax issue, you know, it's a expense issue. Uh, when you talk about tax reform, we are, we are talking about how to collect taxes in a more uh, a good way. 
And despite of, uh, you can, of, of course, you can reduce tax burden when you are doing a tax reform. But it's not usual because when you, because to reduce the tax burden, you have to uh, decrease costs and expenses. And here in Brazil, it is really difficult. And uh, considering that we, we've just uh, approved a, a, a pension reform, it is not, uh, has immediate uh, effects. So our costs and expenses will continue increasing. So tax burden is depending on that, on decreasing the, the costs and expenses. Vanessa Hall is a director of the Center for Fiscal Citizenship and one of the proponents of Brazil's tax reform. Thank you very much. My pleasure. You are welcome. This podcast was written and prepared by me, Gustavo Ribeiro. Ewan Marshall added the final script. Natalia Scalzaretto produced this show. If you like this podcast, rate us on any platform you may be listening to Explaining Brazil. It takes only a second, but it is really important for us. And make sure to visit our website, it's brazilian.report, and enjoy our content for seven days. And our free trial is really free. You don't have to submit any credit card information whatsoever. Just go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. You can also support independent journalism by donating any amount to the Brazilian Report. Go to brazilian.report slash donate. If you want to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, our handle is at Brazilian Report. That's all for now. See you next week.